0: Star Latter day Saint Voices, a podcast dedicated to conversations with members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints in North Texas. Here's your host, Eric Egan.
1: The month of March is Multiple Sclerosis Awareness Month. So on this episode, we'll be talking with a couple whose awareness of MS began about 15 years ago and remains an ongoing part of their lives. MS is an autoimmune disorder without a cure. It's quite rare, in fact, less than 1% of the population has been diagnosed with the disease, but its impact can be dramatic and often difficult for those who have it and their families. Our guests on this episode of Lone Star Latter-day Saint Voices are Justin and Clarissa Cooper, who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints living in Flower Mound, Texas. Clarissa is the one I mentioned earlier, who was diagnosed with MS about 15 years ago. Justin and Clarissa, we welcome you to the podcast and appreciate your willingness to share your experiences with MS.
0: Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Hi.
1: Well, let's start out by getting to know you guys. Tell us a little bit about yourselves.
0: Well, we've lived in North Texas for 12 years now. Our kids have pretty much been raised here, which has been awesome. My husband, Justin, is from Stephenville, Texas kind of a small town um, where his family had a dairy farm there. And I was an Air Force kid. And so I moved all around the country, not really from anywhere in particular. So I call Texas my home. I'm definitely a Texan. We have three children. We have a 19-year-old son serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Salta, Argentina. And he's just been there a couple weeks. He's kind of fresh starting out that adventure in his life. We have a 17 year old daughter who's a junior in high school and a 14 year old son who's in eighth grade.
1: And I know you guys are very active, very busy with your kids and sports and working full-time jobs. Tell us a little more about kind of the extra things going on in your lives.
2: Yeah, it's been a fun transition as our kids are getting older. We actually are maybe slowing down a little bit on the sports side, Uh, more school sports than it is rec or club sports. Uh, With our son going on a mission, that uh, has really freed up a lot of time with only having two at home. Uh, One that's a a junior moving to be a senior. She's probably our busiest with sports, uh, but she has a car and kind of goes on her own schedule. Our 14-year-old is uh, right now getting ready to play football for the high school so he's uh, working hard to transition from middle school to high school and, ma- and, and making the team. And it's actually kind of the next phase of our life with, uh, with older kids and them being more self-sufficient and independent. Uh, it's been kind of nice with Clarissa to you know, manage work and then also um, do callings uh, in our church, uh, church service, and um, also having a little bit more free time to ourselves. Um, either doing things as a as a couple or doing things uh, individually that we maybe had not were able to do when we had uh, younger kids, um, but we were like a lot of parents uh, trying to give our kids all the experiences they could have with sports or music or developing their talents. And so now it's kind of fun seeing them be a little bit more in ownership of their own their own path and just help, guiding them and and supporting them on that.
0: Yeah, and Justin is in sales for a roofing manufacturer, and I do marketing for a local general contractor.
1: So a busy and full life, it sounds like. Absolutely. Work hard, play hard. Work hard, play hard. That's a great mantra. So March is Multiple Sclerosis Awareness Month. And with that being the case, it would be helpful to set the stage and help us understand what is multiple sclerosis?
0: Multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune disease that attacks the myelin sheaths of your nerves. So just like an electrical cable um, has a protective casing around it um, that protects the live wires, the myelin sheath protects your live nerves. So when the protective coating of the nerves is compromised, um, it can cause those nerves to misfire. So either It can do multiple things. You can lose sensation. You can have hypersensitivity and pain. um, It can cause weakness. And even worse, it can cause you to um, lose use of of a body part. And it's kind of random. So when you have an attack, it's called a lesion. And the lesion is when the myelin sheath is compromised and the nerves are exposed. And so it causes a variety of symptoms that are different for everybody. It's kind of like a snowflake disease, like no two are the same. Everyone with MS reacts and has a different experience. You can have similar symptoms, but it can attack a different part of the body in a different way for everybody.
2: You know, just like autoimmune, the body attacks itself and it causes inflammation. You have MS, you have lupus, you have arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, other different autoimmune diseases. And so with MS, uh, this happened in your brain and it happens in your spinal cord. You get these uh, attacks on these uh, myelin sheath, and it becomes a lesion. Well, the lesions, because it's in the brain and the, the spinal cord, uh, you know, a lot of times uh, show up in fatigue. They show up in uh, the symptoms show up as a loss of use of limbs. It can be exhausting. And I like to tell people that ask me you know, about my wife's disease you know, it's a silent disease. A lot of times you can't tell that that person has uh, uh, symptoms of MS that they're going through something. It's, it's a lot of communication between the person that has it and their loved ones to know you know, how they're feeling that day and, and maybe how we can help them. So it's, uh, it could be different every day. It can be different every hour um, on how it's uh, maybe treating you.
0: That's so true. It can be so different every day. And it may not be that you're having a major flare-up at the time, but you could just wake up and you've got brain fog or extreme fatigue, and you could wake up the next day and you've got great energy and you forget you even have MS. It can really vary day by day and even hour by hour.
1: That's got to be frustrating. When I think of other illnesses or diseases that people have and they treat the symptoms, but in this case, it sounds like the symptoms are all over the place. It's hard to know how to address them. 100%.
0: Yeah, they they really are all over the place. I could write a whole book on just MS symptoms. Um, And like I said, they're different for everybody. Thankfully, I have had a pretty good go of it myself. I know others who've struggled worse. And like I said, everyone's a little different. But you are certainly grateful for when you have the good days.
1: Certainly. Well, I would think, too, then, from a research perspective, there's people working to figure out how to address this, how to find a cure for this, or even how to make it easier to live with. I would think that wide range of symptoms and the other difficulties is a complicating factor as they work towards those things.
0: Yeah. In fact, just as I had visited my neurologist a couple months ago, he was telling me that there are now, I think, 27 main therapies that are used for MS. And when I was diagnosed, I think there were only three to five main ones at that time. So there's come a long way with research and different therapies. And I think it's good that since there are so many different experiences with people with MS, there are a variety of therapies to choose from depending on what you know can work best for you.
1: So when were you first diagnosed with MS?
0: I was 29 years old and five weeks pregnant with my third child, when I had my first major flare. And that will be 15 years this coming May that I've been diagnosed. So that first major flare came when I was actually a wedding photographer at the time. And my husband was joining me as my assistant. And I was doing a destination wedding in Florida and everything was going great. We had no issues. I actually had had a lot of Kind of strange health symptoms since I was about 21. And I had been to different doctors and everything was kind of brushed off, like, no, we don't know what that is, or it's not a big deal, or things would go away and it wouldn't stay around. So we kind of just ignored it. Looking back, it makes sense that I had symptoms of MS starting as early as 21, but it took a major flare to get that official diagnosis. So here I am at this destination wedding, and I am the only photographer. Um, so it's pretty important that I'm there and present. And about two hours into that wedding, my eyesight and my left eye completely went away, like a light switch just went out. And the good thing is, is that the way I shoot my camera is it's my left eye is closed while my right eye stays open in the viewfinder. And so I was still technically able to do my job. And so I remember standing there being like, okay, I can't do anything about this right now. Like I have to be here and do this wedding because it depends on me. I have no backup shooter. So I'm just, and I'm not in pain. I just can't see. So I'm just gonna keep going and keep keep shooting this wedding. So that's what I did. And I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want my husband to freak out. And like I said, I didn't want to disrupt this wedding. It wasn't about me. So I just persevered and got through the day and it was, it went till late in the evening. It was just a typical long day of destination wedding shooting. And then on our way home, as we had packed up the car and we're driving home and I looked at my husband and I'm like, Hey, can you take me to the emergency room? And he's like, what is going on? I was like, I lost my eyesight and it's been like Eight hours since that happened. And I have no idea what's going on and it hasn't come back. And so we did. We went to the emergency room that evening. And emergency room's like, okay, well, look at this vision chart <laughs> tell me what you see. And I'm like, literally, I can't see anything. Like, I know there's a big E there at the top, because that's always there. But that's there's nothing else I can see. It's gone. They looked in my eye like your eye's fine. They looked at, you know, my brain, they did tests like your brain's fine. Like, we don't know what to say. Go home. My life wasn't in danger. It wasn't a typical emergency room type of event. So that led to the path of seeing a myriad of specialists. And it took seeing several, several different doctors to get down the path of finally seeing a neuro And that specialist pretty much took one look at me and said, I think you have MS. And I didn't, at that time, I had never even heard of multiple sclerosis. Like that word wasn't in my vocabulary. I'd never heard of it. And so I was like, well, what, what even is that? So I was doing all all the Googling and because I was pregnant, he couldn't do an MRI on me. And so he kind of left it like, well, this is what I suspect, but we're just going to leave it there until after you have the baby and then we'll come back. So I, I went two months with this left eye with no eyesight while I'm pregnant. And I'm thinking, oh, it's probably just a weird pregnancy symptom. I don't know. Who knows? It, it will probably remedy itself. So two months after losing my eyesight, I'm vacuuming my house. And all of a sudden the light switch turns back on and the eyesight's back as if it had never gone away. And so I was like, I'm cured. I'm good. Whatever that was, that was a weird pregnancy at I'm fine. <laughs> but it took, you know, after I had my son went back to that optoneurologist and we did a bunch of tests, including MRIs. And that's where he said, you have, I think I had 22 lesions in my brain and several on my spine. And that's a quite severe presentation of MS, quite aggressive. So that's where it started.
1: Even though it was that aggressive, the only symptom that was really a major symptom was that loss of your sight in one eye to that point?
2: I want to chime in here a little bit because I remember kind of like it was yesterday because it kind of hits you in the face when someone has these symptoms and then they're diagnosed with an incurable disease. She lost the use of her left eye, uh, when meaning with dart optic neuritis is what they called it. Yeah, optic and neuritis. So, but she also had um, numbness in her left hand, in the left in certain parts of her left body. Um, I had a friend when, of course, I was visiting different eye doctors. Um, I had a friend whose father was a uh, very renowned um, ophthalmologist. ophthalmologist. And when I told him about it, he immediately says, I hate to tell you this, but I I believe she has multiple sclerosis because it was more than just one symptom. It was not just optic neuritis, but optic neuritis with another uh, like numbness and and not being able to feel certain, you know, extremities, uh, usually is the sign of uh, autoimmune disease, and specifically MS. And so that was kind of again, I had never heard of multiple sclerosis or what it was. I remember in college, Clarissa was getting different symptoms and rashes, and we actually thought it was lupus. At uh, least the, the uh, doctors she was maybe visiting for that thought it was lupus. We did all of the uh, kind of tests that first year of marriage, and, and they and, ruled it out. And they ruled it out. So. I don't know if it started then, and we kind of forgot about it and, uh, and, until this happened, and then it was full-blown. And ever since then, it was about how do we manage this disease? How do we live with this disease? How do we understand it? And how is it going to affect and change our lives from that point on? Because I was, I was very naive as a husband, as a spouse, and I was very confused. And later, as part of the process goes, uh, angry as well. Because I knew not only would this change Clarissa's life for pretty much the rest of her life, but it, it would affect everybody around her that uh, is in the you know her husband, her children, and so yeah, it was it was very uh, confusing and uh, frustrating uh, for the first early years of this disease.
0: You know, I remember walking out of that opto office with the official diagnosis after my son was born. I'm 29. And so I'm still pretty young and naive to life experiences. I'm still kind of figuring things out. And I remember this feeling, it was really surreal, like walking to the car and thinking, how is the world still moving? Like, how is everyone still going about their daily lives? Like my world stopped dead in its tracks, like everything froze for me. And so how is everyone else just moving along? It was just this weird feeling like, I don't understand like what, what does this mean for us? Right? Like I'm just, you're in shock and it, it takes some time to process something that you know is chronic and lifelong with no cure. It's, it's kind of, it's surreal and difficult and there are a lot of emotions that go through you. Like he said, you know, it's, it's scary. It's fear. It's frustration. It's anger. It's worry there's a lot to process.
1: So how did you handle that at that young age at such a busy time of life? That's just a lot to handle. How did you guys deal with that?
0: Yeah, I think everything has to be when it's something that life altering, it's especially at the beginning, it's one day at a time. Sometimes it's one hour at a time. And here I was with a newborn baby and two other young children and a husband who traveled a majority of the time for his work. So I was home alone a lot and I had to figure out like, well, life has to go on. We lived in a place where we didn't have family around either. We were pretty much alone to manage. I mean, we had friends and we had, we had support, but we really were doing it on our own. And unfortunately labor kind of flared me up even worse. Even though my eyesight was back, the use of the left side of my body was really diminished, a lot of weakness, a lot of numbness, difficulty in walking. And so I had this memory of holding my newborn son and literally crawling on the floor with him because I couldn't walk very well. Like I wasn't steady on my feet. And that was the only way I could take care of him. It was a very scary and hard moment for me.
2: Clarissa is a master educator. She educates herself on whatever she puts her mind to. And, and with this disease and trying to understand it, she went to studying what it is, how she can treat it, other people that have had it, their stories. Uh, she found blogs on the internet, uh, not just uh, books uh, that she read. Um, she didn't rely on just what the doctor said. She was very ambitious of understanding what is affecting her how can she try to live a normal life? How can she be the mother that she's always wanted to be? How she wants to be a wife that she that she wants to be? How can she, you know, help others without being someone that's always helping her? Someone needs to help her. So I just remember that first part about it. I, I wasn't as interested. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't, I was more reliant on her educating me. You know, what did you find out? What, what, what can we do here? You know, what are the drugs that are available, you know? What are the doctors saying? And I would go with her to her different appointments she had with neurologists um, that handle people with autoimmune disease and specifically MS. Um, but it was still like a, was a deer in a headlight as a husband. I was still kind of numb that this was happening to us, a young family. Um, we were still young in our, in our marriage and we had so much more to look forward to. And I always hear the, the worst cases you know, not being able to walk, not being able to, you know, being in a wheelchair, having a walker, having a cane, you know, um, not being able to get out of your bed. I mean, those are really bad uh, uh, cases. And, and and some people have definitely died uh, from MS eventually or another illness because the MS just compromises your body.
0: Complications. Yeah,
2: complications. So, you know, it was it was rough, I'll be honest with you. And then Chris will probably get into this part of their story. But I had really good health insurance. I had really, I was employed uh, by a good company who had very good health insurance. Insur- and um, obviously, Clarissa and I were praying a lot um, for guidance and inspiration. But Clarissa eventually made the decision not to take the drugs that are avail- were available uh, to treat uh, MS patients. And she tried. she decided to go a different route. And I'm sure she's going to talk about that route she chose, but I be I will be honest with you, it was uh, a route that I was not really supportive of. It was more of a holistic approach with diet and exercise and lowering the stress levels in her life, which is very hard because I can bring stress <laughs> just the way my personality is. But, uh, you know, and the drugs for MS, unfortunately are very expensive. Um, So even with good, really good insurance, it was still going to be a lot out of our own pocket. So we're just gathering all this information. And, you know, then she comes to me and says, you know, I'm going to I'm going to treat this a different way. And the doctors are not going to like it. You may not like it, but this is the inspiration and in a way revelation that, that I'm feeling that I need to go. And maybe that's something she wants to talk about.
0: Yeah, and I'm not saying that going drug free is is a way I advocate for everybody. Like I said, MS is different for every single person, and I think that the treatment is also very personal. And so I think that's another reason it's so great to have a faith background where you can fall back on personal revelation, and having guidance, um, knowing that the Lord is in the details of your life, and can help you along the way. I know many people with MS that are on the traditional drug therapies that have done very well. So I, I always am careful to state that I don't necessarily think this is the way and the only way it's just a way that was right for me to do a more holistic way, naturopath type of way of dealing with my autoimmune disease, which has worked out very well, not without its bumps in the roads. I still have flare ups. I still have issues but it was the way that was right for me that I still to this day feel strongly about that I should have gone down that path. Like Justin said, I love to learn like when I was in that doctor's office and I didn't even know what MS was, you know, so I turned to the internet and that kind of led down a rabbit hole. But I do, I do love to learn and, and understand, especially when it comes to if I'm going to put a drug in my body or try something new, I want to know what I'm doing first before, I put myself in that position. And so I did, I I turned to all kinds of books and talking to people, internet. I mean, there was, there was a lot of information. There's even more information now than there was when I first started 15 years ago, but it really helped me feel like, I guess my personality is I love to get all of the information and kind of gather everything and then pick and choose what feels right and the best parts of what I'm learning. And that's kind of the approach I went down.
1: And it sounds like it's worked out well for you.
0: I think it has. I I still to this day feel very strongly that I've taken the right path in choosing my personal experience with MS.
1: So what does it feel like or look like for you day to day? I know you said that every day could be different, but when you're living with this just ongoing, do you often feel like something's wrong or do you feel... Like for the most part, you're able to function as you'd like.
0: In the early days of diagnosis, I talked to some people with MS and they're like, you need to join these support groups with MS and that's going to help you out. And I'm not saying that they don't, but in my particular experience, a lot of these groups were very negative and poor me and I have this happening and my life is awful and what am I going to do? And it was just very sad and depressing. And I was like, I knew from, from the get-go, that is not how I want my experience with MS to be. I want to live my life as if I don't have it. <laughs> not that I want to stick my head in the sand and not address it and treat it appropriately, but that I don't want to ponder on it and think about it all the time. And I don't want to let it bring me down. I want to live my life. And so I completely removed myself from anything that was a negative and kind of a poor me attitude and surrounded myself with things that were hopeful and positive and happy. And that that worked out really well for me. And that kind of sticks with me today is that I don't wake up in the morning and think, oh, I have MS. How am I feeling? I have trained my brain to not even think about MS until I kind of have to. Again, though, no, that doesn't change that I'm still taking care of myself and, you know, addressing the underlying needs of the autoimmune disease and making sure I stay healthy. But I I just I love positivity and I think that that really is half the battle is attitude. With having something chronic ongoing that you have to deal with on a daily basis, attitude makes a huge difference. So to answer your question, on my day-to-day, I do really well. I really do. I've had a couple of times where I've been slapped across the face and <laughs> and, and MS is shown me who's boss a couple times, but for the most part, I live my life how I want to live it, and it doesn't hold me back.
1: And what about you, Justin, from your perspective, what's it like being the spouse of someone with MS, given the unpredictability and the challenges that you've faced? How do you feel about it from day to day?
2: Uh, It can be very frustrating because like Clarissa said, she works really hard to try to have a normal life. But, uh, you know, we've been married for almost 23 years now. A spouse picks up on when you're not feeling very well and something is off. And you would start playing the guessing game uh, as a spouse because you, you do want to help, but a lot of times there's nothing you can do to help other than the things that you can control. Uh, you can control helping out more with the kids. You can help more with around the house. You can, you can take some some tasks or burdens off of the plate of your spouse. But a lot of times it comes down to communication. And because it's such a silent disease and in the early days, Clarissa really struggled with fatigue, but she tried to fight through that, especially with young kids. It's, you know, you, you kinda, as a, as a spouse, as, a, as you want them to tell you how they're feeling, what's going on. Because MS, what your whole goal is when you have MS, is to put this thing in remission, have it where it's not active, right? When you have active lesions, you have active symptoms. And so the goal is to keep it in remission. Either you do that with medication or you do that with, you know, diet or exercise reducing or,
0: inflammation. you know,
2: in, re- reducing inflammation, not even in a dormant state, you don't have an active lesion. You could have symptoms because of the damage that the lesion caused to your brain or spinal cord. So the goal is to keep those lesions down, to not create new lesions. Your brain's working really hard on communicating with your body around the damage. And I think that's where Clarissa, uh, her body has responded very well in that she has damage. She's had active lesions, but her, uh, through faith, through the health uh, decisions that she made. The, the body is, has been working around that damage. And we know when there's an active lesion and we try to just deal with it there. As a spouse, I need her to communicate. Hey, what's going on? You know, you're, you're having fatigue today. And, and it's better with, when Clarissa is very open with me and lets me know. It kind of picks me up where I like, okay, I maybe need to, you know, do dinner. I maybe need to put the kids to bed uh, as when they were younger kids. I maybe, you know, it's easier to do something as a spouse when you know that they're, they're they're struggling with something. But if she doesn't open her mouth or someone doesn't open their mouth and they're keeping it to themselves, then that's where frustration kind of built up in, in some cases. And I think at this point, 15 years down the road, I think we do a much better job of communicating with one another and knowing that, hey, as a spouse, I need to step up or I need to you know help her wherever she might need. And Clarissa needs to tell me. know what she needs help with I think that really helps me just know you know if I need to do more than what I've been doing because you get in routines you get in schedules you just get you know complacent and knowing with someone with MS you can't get complacent because it's different it changes so so rapidly and hopefully we try to keep that from showing itself but it does it still happens
0: it's taken time to figure out communication There's sometimes pride gets in the way. You know, I like to pretend I don't have MS. (laughs) And so I will be in denial sometimes when I'm having those little symptoms, the things that aren't keeping me in bed, but it's still affecting my day. I don't want to admit that I need help. And so learning how to be served by your spouse and allowing them to serve you and getting over your pride with that is definitely helpful. And that's something we've had to work through.
1: Well, it's hard when you want to be independent and you don't want to have symptoms and think you can do it on your own. But what a blessing to have a spouse that's so willing to help. Absolutely. Well, believe me, there's some days I
2: don't want to help. (laughs) I no, I want to turn on that game and watch, uh, you know, the Mavs beat whoever or whatever, you know, it's just, it's been an internal battle with myself, right? You know, why is this happening to me? Why, 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 you know, poor me, you know, and I think that's, Uh, I think Satan really tries to attack families in this world. And believe me, when somebody is faced with a a challenge or a trial, it just maybe opens the door for him to try you even more. And so I can't say I'm here saying that this was, I mean, that it was easy for me. And I had to step up my game and just serve my wife and and make sure things, you know, she got the help that she needed. It was a challenge for me. And I went through different parts of, of being down, being, being depressed, being sad for myself, you know, I'll be honest with you, and Clarissa and I have had this discussion, um, I come from a big family, I mean, I'm one of nine kids, and I wanted a big family for our family, you know, I had a number of six kids in our family, and, and after she was diagnosed with um, MS, you know, after our third kid, I just realized, you know, that's going to be stressful for her you know when we're children and it took a lot of prayer you know do we continue growing our family or are you know has the lord blessed us with this family that we have here and you know the the prayers that i got received was you know we have we have three beautiful kids and and you know, let's let's do our best to raise them and and give them everything they can get with you know the disease that Clarissa has and and I'm very happy and I'm really content with our family and and uh you have to put the the gospel perspective in, in 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 a hand that you know life doesn't end here and and uh you you have that potential to grow not just here on this earth but after this life as well and that, that brings a lot more peace to things that didn't go your way in this life and and definitely we've had to make adjustments and and uh life-changing as a family and as a marriage but uh you know we've been blessed throughout this whole process
0: you know i think multiple sclerosis has probably been harder on justin than it has been on me honestly and i think it's been put into our lives for not just my growth but for his growth and for our family's growth it's taught us so many things and i remember coming to this realization i don't know it was like maybe a whole decade after having multiple sclerosis. And, you know, it's a, it's a long journey. It's a long path. But I remember there was one point where I was thinking about this disease and kind of how it related to my testimony and my relationship with the savior. And I remember thinking, I'm actually grateful for multiple sclerosis. Like what a weird thing to say. What a strange, crazy thing to say that I am grateful for this disease because looking back, I'm like, I have seen how it has taught me so many things that I wouldn't have otherwise known. It has helped me discover talents that I didn't know I had. And I wouldn't have otherwise figured those things out without something to push me there. It's helped me um, help my family in ways like my daughter had really bad asthma as a very young child, like severe asthma and the things I had learned in treating myself with MS and dealing with inflammation and kind of all the natural ways of healing I had learned helped me help my daughter. And now she has no asthma and no issues since she's been six years old. And I wouldn't have known how to help her without my experience. And it's, it's taught me so many things. It's really helped me and shaped me into a person that I know I would not otherwise be without the experience of having a mess. So it does sound crazy, but I am grateful for this experience because it has made me a better person.
1: As difficult as it is, the Lord has a way of refining us through that furnace of affliction. Absolutely. Well, you had quite a flare-up just a few months ago and went through a difficult time, but you were able to get through the worst of that and even had the opportunity to run in a 5K that benefited MS just barely on the, on the heels of the flare-up. Tell us a little bit about that experience.
0: Yeah, I was going about my life with really minimal issues. And then I had a flare-up, the worst I had had since pretty much since diagnosis, since ha- losing my eyesight and having the optic neuritis. So it had been almost 15 years without a major flare. Very, very grateful for that. But it landed me in the hospital for six days. Um, I lost entire use of the left side of my body. I mean, completely, I couldn't drive anymore. I could barely get myself dressed. I couldn't even do my own hair, button my own shirt, there, I mean, basic everyday parts of life were completely stripped of me in one fell swoop. And that was shocking and terrifying um, because I thought I had managed the disease so well. And there's my pride again, thinking, oh, I've got this. I don't, I'm doing just fine without outside help. But there I was in the hospital. And so I had priesthood blessings. I was on steroids and medication to help me put me in remission. It took some time, even outside of the hospital, um, that week following that experience, I was even more sick and even more incapacitated. And so I didn't know what my life would look like. And the neurologist telling me that this could be permanent disability, this could be ongoing or you could recover. We just don't know. Throughout my entire journey with MS, the Lord has always put people in my path in both service and in both medical knowledge, exactly when I've needed them. I was served so generously and well by people in my church, friends and neighbors And one of those people in particular referred me to a healthcare provider that was extremely beneficial for my recovery. And it was another, like one of many, many times where I have experienced the exact right person in the right place at the right time for what I needed and when I was ready to receive that information or that help. And so I was able to recover pretty quickly once I got that help. That additional medical care that I needed, that, that person referred me to, it was wonderful and continues to help me to this day. So with that quick recovery, um, we had signed up, you know, months prior for this MS fundraiser 5k that our local town does every year. And we've always run in it as a family. And, you know, we always joke that the mom with MS is running in the <laughs> MS race and where's my medal and, you know, funny things like that. But I was like, well, I think I feel well enough to at least walk it. Let's let's walk it, right? I'm setting low expectations for myself, and for some reason that day, I remember showing up and being like, I can try to run. Let's let's run for five minutes and see how that feels. And it just kept going. I never had to stop. I kept running, and i my 14 year old son ran with me, and um, and he was my little cheerleader and support, and we held hands as we crossed the finish line together. <laughs> he was really sweet and. Yeah, it was a huge, huge win that I was able to do that. You know, I wanted to be careful with myself and not put myself in <laughs> back in the hospital, but I felt well enough to do it, and I'm really grateful. and And uh, five months now, fast forward five months out of the hospital, I just got back from a a wonderful family vacation where we went, our whole family went skiing, and here I am able to go down the blue runs, you know, with with five months out of the hospital, previously not been able to use the entire left side of my body, so. I'm very grateful, and I know not everyone is as fortunate with this disease to have that experience. But I'm basically saying a prayer of gratitude as I'm skiing down that mountain. Thank you so much for letting me feel well enough to do this.
1: You mentioned prayer there, and and earlier you you mentioned priesthood blessings, and and I think Justin had mentioned the prayers that you offered at the at the beginning of of these symptoms and very difficult circumstances, but. What else would you say is the role that faith has played in your experience with MS?
0: You know, going back to being grateful for having MS, that is all due to my relationship with the Savior, because I know he's been there with me every step of the way. I never had doubt, even though that initial diagnosis and that those early days were so scary and fearful, even being in the hospital and having people tell you this could be permanent, I knew the Lord was with me every step of the way, and so while you might be having some fear, it does help kind of mitigate that to where it's not fear that leads into hopelessness, right? It's kind of fear that's tempered until you can get your your faith back up to to buoy you back up and and feel at full faith strength again. Because you know everyone has their ups and downs, and so I'm not perfect. I don't have perfect faith. I'd love to, but but fear creeps in there with the uncertainty, but knowing that the savior is there with me and aware of everything i'm going through and he understands it is a huge Oh, what a wonderful wonderful blessing and i remember when i was diagnosed the opton just told me people with ms about 50% of people end up in a wheelchair within 10 years of diagnosis so i've always known that that's a possibility for me one day i could end up with a cane that i need to help walk or a wheelchair but I'm at 15 years and I'm not in a wheelchair. So I, I consider that a huge win. But I've also always told myself that, you know, I have I've learned I've educated myself. I've turned to the Lord and I can confidently say that if I do end up in a wheelchair one day, I have no regrets because I know that's exactly where the Lord needs me because I've done everything I can do right i've done my part i've tried i've worked hard i've learned i've grown but but if the lord needs me in a wheelchair if i end up there it's not because i was lazy you know sitting around hoping that my disease will just magically go away and not do anything to help it i've done my part i've done everything i can do but if i end up in a wheelchair it's because that's that's my path and i will be okay with that i will be at peace with that because i'll be confident that that's where the lord has my life journey going and there's things to learn in that phase of life as well.
1: Justin, anything you would add to that from a faith perspective?
2: Well, Kurisa is just been amazing with the attitude. I mean, going through any trial in life, I think begins and ends with attitude. You know, bad things happen to good people and you know, how do you react to that and how you express that to others goes a long way. Uh, she has taught our children, uh, some amazing things with faith and with attitude. I just remember her being in the hospital for six or seven days and we would visit every day. I I remember my son who's on mission, uh, Rocco, he would work eight to 10 hours at a gas station, a job that he had. And as soon as he got off, he would go to the hospital and spend hours with Clarissa playing games, walking around the hospital. And praying with her, and same with the other children. When they were able to get out of school, um, they were, you know, spending time with Clarissa and laughing. And you know, we, the hospital food wasn't very good, and really didn't not the diet that she likes to try to eat while she's treating her MS. But we would cook dinner at home, and then we would take it and uh, take it to Clarissa, and I mean, pray with one another and. And I saw my kids really grow during this experience, um, which is amazing because that's your, your goal in life that they will you know, know that something could happen to them in their life. And seeing how their mother handled it with uh, bravery, with courage, with faith, and we had a positive outcome um, they're not always positive we understand that and they might not be uh, all positive you know and in, in hindsight's 2020 you look back and, and you see blessings even when you thought uh, you know you didn't receive a blessing for certain things but uh it really grew our faith as a family we've grown closer um i think we handle things uh, a little bit better when tough times uh individually happen you know, I. I, I look at uh, my life as, you know, it, I could be my wife because <laughs> I'm very healthy and I'm, I'm good. I'm strong and, and I've been blessed with, with uh, really good health. And, I, you know, that's a blessing for me so I can maybe help take care of Clarissa uh, more. And I've been strengthened um, by a loving, holy father and a savior. I know the savior knows because of the atonement. He knows what Clarissa is going through emotionally physically he's felt the same and he knows what I've been going through you know as as I've been dealing this as a, as a spouse as well and I and I look at that knowing that I can look toward the savior to help me get through these these hard times and I know I can look toward the savior to give me strength and you know in the end it it, uh, it may might not be the positive outcome that uh, you know she could have a an episode that really stays active and she's permanently has these, these symptoms. But, you know, I remember the words of the prophet, a friend of yours brought a poster of a quote that he gave in a, in a past conference. Um, Do you have it memorized, Clarissa? It was
0: President Nelson and he said, expect miracles.
2: Yeah, expect miracles, many miracles in, the, in these latter days. And uh, we're a family that believes in miracles. And we put our faith in miracles. We put our faith in in the Lord, no matter what the outcome is. And that's just helped us again, the great attitude that Clarissa has it's contagious and it, it, passes on to our children and, and they, they, when they get a bump in the road, they're able to handle a lot better because of seeing how Clarissa has been able to handle MS and and overcomes it. So no, that's my faith has grown. My trust in the Lord has grown my trust in Clarissa, how she wants to deal with it. Cause that's where we've, we've, we've battled a little bit on how I think she should handle or treat this and how she feels like she needs to treat this because she knows her own body. She knows, you know, what the inspiration and, and I, and I've learned to trust in her, even when I'm saying, why, why don't you try this? You know, many other people are trying this and, you know, and. And she just says, well, this is how I feel like I need to try. And I need to trust in that. And it's worked to this point. I mean, it's amazing. Sometimes I see her with, you know, where did this energy come from? Or, you know, all the things that she's doing. And yeah, she she tries to go throughout life that she doesn't have MS. And that's a great attitude. I mean, even though she's probably dealing with symptoms, she's strong and, and tries to, to live her life the best that she can with what she's given.
0: Yeah, it doesn't define me. That's kind of been my line of thinking is I don't want MS to define me. It's, it's a part of me, but it doesn't define me. And when it comes to expecting miracles, you know, it's not always people think of miracles. Oh, I'll be healed. Right. And the miracle isn't necessarily that you're healed from whatever infirmity that you're experiencing, but the the miracle can be that you've been shaped into a new version of yourself that is more Christ-like, that you've strengthened your relationship with your Heavenly Father. There's so many other ways of looking at what a miracle could look like and what it could be. And only the Savior knows what you need. And that having that faith in Him is the miracle, what He can do with your trials and infirmities.
1: Well, you guys are a very positive example of a couple who's encountering such difficult things and yet enduring in faith. And it's a great example for all of us as we face a variety of challenges in our lives. So thank you for sharing your journey with us and uh, inspiring us with your approach and your faith in the Lord.
0: Of course. Thank you for having us. You're welcome.
1: Our guests on this episode of the podcast have been Justin and Clarissa Cooper, I appreciate their openness in sharing their experiences, as well as the strength of their faith as they face the challenges of MS. We all experience trials of different kinds, and the Coopers' optimism and faith in the Lord is admirable and a great example to follow. For Lone Star Latter-day Saint Voices, I'm Eric Egan.